The MX Vice Show. everybody welcome to episode 159 of the mx vice show we have another action-packed show ready for today as we talk all things moto with the great man aussie legend todd waters who's been seen and done it all across the world in the world of motocross and also other disciplines so before we welcome him we'd like to thank whole shop motorhomes obviously big shout out to whole shop motorhomes for jumping on board to sponsor this season whole shop motorhomes is a uk specialist motorhome dealer for motorsport transport they specialize in garage motorhomes and race vans that are suitable for a wide variety of sports such as motocross, enduro, karting, mountain biking, and more. Check out especially the Commander Motorhome that's sure to fit your needs. Obviously, check them out on their website. Check them out on our website. We have an article, and we also have a video on our YouTube channel. So check out what they're all about. They're doing some great stuff and got some really cool projects in store for 2024, and it's a pleasure to be working with them. All right, on to the show now. How's Todd, mate? And thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Uh, MX Vice, you know, I haven't heard them for... A while now i've been a part of it since i was racing world championship so it definitely sparks the memories and uh brings back some good times racing in europe and mxgp for husfana um over on the world championship but man we've been busy we've been busy since uh those days i've grown up a lot um business has sort of i guess taken over a lot of my thought processes but on the same time i'm not a writer that's just you know left it behind and, and gone into business like it's something that yeah, I've got my businesses running and that's where my, you know, my brain's at, my focus. But then, you know, four times a week I go jump on my dirt bike and, and the whole world just stops. It just freezes and um, I'm thinking about staying on my toes, getting off my brakes. Um, exactly what everybody, you know, everyone in this world has. Um, you know, from I had the, the pleasure of riding with Kimi Raikkonen when he was sponsoring our team when I rode for him and, that's exactly the feeling that he was chasing all the way down to, you know, some doctors and some buddies of mine that are exactly the same successful businessmen and they use dirt bikes to switch off. So I'm, uh, I'm just grateful that I could do it for a job and, and I'm still able to do that at a high level and, um, and run a race team. That's everyone's dream. Yeah, it's awesome, mate, to see what you're doing. And yeah, it's pretty inspiring how you manage it all. And so yeah, I just guess to start with, just tell us about the framework of the race line Husqvarna team and just how you balance it all, mate. Your sort of time management and efficiency must be through the roof because obviously you race, run the team, you got the race shop, you got the T-Dub gear, you've got a family. So I guess you're absolutely flat out, mate. So is there any sort of strategies you sort of use to get yourself by and just give us a sort of, you know, framework of the team as well, how the structure is, who's in place, and obviously cheers to Mick for helping make this happen too. Obviously a key part of your program as well. So just sort of give us a rundown there, mate. Yeah, so a massive part of it is uh, is the people that, that back me. You know, you've got to have good employees and that's something that I learned straight up. Um, but I've got my cousin, Jason. He's been my race mechanic. Uh, since I've been back here in Australia and he's yeah he's my left-hand man and together him and I bought Raceline Performance and it just it grew quicker than we could kind of keep up like the opportunities like we literally we raced the, so we did the double header last year we raced off-road and motocross um, which it was my first year racing off-road so I was just a guinea pig just you know flapping my way through it and um, before we knew it we're aligned, we're in contention for a championship on on motocross and also for off-road and we got picked for the six days. So basically how it exactly run was we bought Raceline Performance, the business. We raced Coolum National, which finished our motocross campaign. And then we hopped on a plane that Monday and flew to France for the six-day enduro, which I've never done before. <laughs> so you talk about time management, I kind of – I always refer back and, you know – this is a, a global sort of podcast, so the guys are well aware of Ice One Racing and Auntie Bronin, who was uh, 
my manager and and uh, I'll look back on on him and we had some really good times and I kind of laugh, you know, when he worked with myself. I was the laid-back Aussie that cruised through airports and there was no stress, no bothers, no anything. And I guess that's what's got me to this point now is there's definitely no stress. There's nothing gets me down and I just charge like hell I'm a workhorse. But I guess, um, yeah, to his delight, I've learned some time efficiency, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, mate, he's a bit of a weapon, isn't he, from all reports? So yeah. I guess it's a pretty cool sort of lesson to follow. Obviously, I speak with Jason Thomas regularly. He's an ex-racer, does all the Supercross TV and motocross, and he's sort of from the mindset, don't miss an opportunity because you never know when it might come around again. So definitely that probably resonates with you too, doesn't it? No, they, they just they keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not saying no. Man, I had that mentality for sure. And I've got five businesses and all of the employees and I'm just going, okay, you know what? I've got kids now. Let's just, I'm going to say no because I've got a few, a lot of opportunities happening. I've got a few in the background that you aren't aware of that I think, yeah, a lot bigger than anything that I'm doing right now. So, um, yeah, I've got enough opportunities and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on them. So, but man, like, like sort of spoke about the biggest thing, that, grew, that made me grow up was reading. Um, to be honest, I left Australia as a 20-year-old kid, rode for Ice One with two gear bags. And until, you know, he was just like, man, who is this guy? And I was a workhorse. Like, I, man, I'd just do motos and motos and clock hours on that bike and um, or bike training. So that was the benefit. That's my career is I'm a workhorse. Um, but to sort of reflect back on that, you know, I, I didn't read, you know, education. I didn't really um look into like i was when i was google i was i wasn't planning to race world championship i was planning to be a cabinet maker joiner and take over dad's business like i knew that six years seven and that's what i was doing and i just won races and it just progressed and obviously i had goals in racing and stuff but i've always been a really driven sort of individual and that um i guess has got me where i am now but the reading part like Atomic Habits, it's a book, man, grab it. It's um, It's been massive for me putting systems in place. Um, like you mentioned, I've got a bit on my plate and it has to be organised. So all the way down to, you know, managing employees, um, you know, working as a team, which, you know, we've got three mechanics downstairs now smashing out the bikes. Um, Mick is a massive part of our program, creating all the content stuff. We've got Studios book where... We're on the go. So we've this year's been really good. Last year I was sort of moved away. I had my second child and things sort of went uh, on the back burner for a bit, but we're back on the Gold Coast at the headquarters. Um, we're building, we're growing. Um, yeah, like I say, I can't thank the people around me enough, like all the way from Mick, who's creating content, um, organising that side of it, to my cousin Jason, who's my lead. And head mechanic of the team and then um joshy and and Jaden, who are our new technicians uh for reese and jack um so man from from the background like we've got race line performance which is a high performance race shop so the public we provide them with uh wp services um you know with suspension upgrades engine upgrades um, all the way through we run a factory race team uh we've got Four rider junior team. We've got a four rider development pro team, and then got the three paid riders, which consists of Jack Mather. He uh, got second in MX3 last year, so he's our young gun. He's the one that we're building. Um, and then we've got Reese Bud, who everyone's familiar with. Reese, he's uh, he's very handy on a dirt bike. So, uh, and then myself on the 450, and my plan is to develop these boys and the vision that I've had in place is to be able to work with the riders. Um, a bit like I've seen when I was racing in Europe, Stefan Everts was doing the KDM sort of part. And when we'd go to Gank and to Honda Park, like Stefan would be out there moto with the guys. And I was like, man, that's just insane. So that's exactly what I'm doing. You know, we're doing, you know, I'm still handy on a bike. I'm still quicker than the boys. So I've got them on 450s as well. And uh, so there's no, oh, you're on the 450. It's, man, I'm gapping his and we're both on 450s now. So it's um, it's really, really good. Like, we've got a good program. In the background of those guys, they've got the riding coach, Paul Dale, who's one of my best buddies. So we're sort of, as a small 
sort of team program. We're working really closely together. Like I said, we're every Thursday together. I'm doing motos with them and we're bringing along our suspension technicians and we're testing on those days as well. Um, and then we've got in the background, I've been working with coach Rob from America for, you know, four odd years now. Um, and we brought him on to sort of analyze the data that, you know, what they're doing with their coaches and, and what sort of workloads being put through the motorcycle, through sleep, through stresses, um, day-to-day sort of stuff, make sure that they're not burning themselves and cooking it because I had to source him last year. I had to reach out and be like, Rob, I'm, I get to the 20-minute mark and I can't see. <laughs> you know, I'd catch on to the back of beat and I just couldn't see. I was like, man, there's dramas here and come yeah. down the hall my stress levels were through the roof which we're not talking business stress we're talking stress on the body so lack of sleep you know newborn kid and a toddler and um you know working long hours and then on top of that putting training so i was i was on the verge of chronic fatigue um so he helped me through that so i thought that was a massive key ingredient for our program um we're all professionals and we all got our guys, but you know, someone at Coach Rob's level um, to just be overseeing and being like, hey, you know, Reese or Jack or Todd, like, what to go with your sleep? Like, let's look into your diet, you know, this, this, and this. So, yeah, it's, man, like, I'm really proud. It's only our second year. Um, and this year, so last year, we sort of just threw it together and made it happen. Uh, this year, I'm personally here fine tuning it. I'm a racer, I'm currently racing. So, like I say, it's always like I'm creating a program around me for you and you. Like, you know, it's all sort of in there and, and their job is to get results and take my job. So that's yeah. what I'm I'm building and growing them for and that's the plan to have Reese step up and then Jack become the sort of the lead 250 dude and, and then Jack steps up. So that's, the, you know, on paper, that's our plan. And... um sort of long-lasting relationship. But, yeah, man, I'm, like I say, I'm, I'm that excited to – I was just meant to be a cabinet maker joiner <laughs> in the kitchen. And, uh, and now we run a race team. I'm essentially, you know, obviously Husqvarna's the lead uh, partner in this, so they're my bosses, but I'm essentially my own boss and I can control what we get up to. So my job is uh, developing. I'm doing a lot with the chassis on the bike at the moment. Um, yeah, it's been, it's just all time, man. It's, it's unreal. Oh, it's so cool, mate. It sounds like it's like a pretty much all in sort of complete package you got running great platform for the guys, obviously all encompassing, you got all the bases covered. So it's really cool. It must be sort of real privilege for those guys to be working in that and just learning from you all the time. Cause you know, the experience you have, it's money can't buy stuff. You can only live that to gain it. So they must be in a pretty cool position. And just obviously on your riding as well, mate, do you find it takes away from your actual personal performance having so much on your plate? Is there any negative connotations with it? Or do you see it as kind of a welcome distraction doing all that extra stuff? Cause I guess in a way it's setting you up for the future as well setting your family up for the future too so there's a lot of positives isn't there mate and it's kind of cool to see someone challenging themselves like you were doing the two series and you're still racing mate because you just love it you just love riding it's you know i guess there's a, you know there's financial gains that's so why do we do anything but you're coming from a lot of sort of passion and love and the team's you know with you on that too isn't it so it's a pretty cool process yeah 100 percent. like for me there's no financial gain to run a junior team or a pro development team um and there's no financial gain to run the you know the race one pro team because um budgets aren't there we got to find money so you know what it is like i go to the start line and i get paid anyway just like every other pro rider on the start line but exactly what you said i'm sitting in my own office here right now um with my own three dudes down there and the suspension technician like whereas they just whinge about how much they're potentially not getting paid um, whereas I'm doing something about it. And COVID really pulled me in the gear. I lost my job overnight in COVID and I just went, wow, that's like what sort of fairy tale have I been living on? Um, and it is. It's like we say every day, I'm grateful for the, the country that we live in. Australia is just amazing opportunities that are here and the way that the government looks after everyone. Um, our country is just beautiful. So for me, I wake up, I walk to I can walk to the beach with me girls, play in the water, go surfing, like the life 
that we've sort of created is is really really special and um you know i never take that for granted so yeah i i just went through covid and i went you know what i'm going to use this opportunity to to never feel this again i'm going to stand on the start line because i want to be there and i'm that's what I'm doing. I'm there because I want to be there. I'm not there to make money. I'm not there for any other reason. I race because I love that feeling in my gut. Um, if you took racing away from me, I probably wouldn't ride. Like like people know, I go for a ride with my buddy out the track, go out to QMP for a ride with the boys, and I start me watching. I do a 40-minute motor, and they're just like, what, like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, yeah, but you just don't understand. This is this is what is fun for me. Like, this is what I do. It's just, yeah. if I go out and do a few laps, like it just brings nothing for me. I've got to challenge myself and where's my feet? Where's it like, you know, I want my body starting to pack up. <laughs> I need to, I was like, I'm born, going back on what you said, 100%. Yes. Like if I was wanting to get back to Europe, you know, like if that was a thing, um, like I wanted to be the best Todd Waters on the on the motocross track. No, I wouldn't be doing all this stuff. But unfortunately, Todd Waters has got ADD. He can't sit still. So you give man, you give me an hour, I'm filling it with something, and that's what I found. When I come back here in Australia, we got ten rounds of motocross, few supercross races. Then supercross, the championship wasn't really progressing and stuff. So I did a motocross only deal, ten weekends a year. Man, I was getting bored. So. I'm doing up me defender, I'm, you know, I'm doing things like just, just bizarre, like <laughs> just doing, just wasting time. So now my time goes into something, creating something. Um, but on the other flip side, like I mentioned, I'm at the point in my career now where, you know, yeah, if it was a business decision, maybe I wouldn't ride. Like I'd just be doing business, but it keeps me fit. The, like I'm up training in the mornings. You know, I'm watching what I eat. Like, I'm still an athlete. Um, and I, I just absolutely love lining up on the start line. So, yeah, it takes a little bit away from me, you know, winning week in, week out. But I'll take that hit and I'll be there on the start line with the biggest smile on my face because I want to be there. And uh, something that I have learned is, uh, you know, if like last year I got on the podium and I just was that pumped, you know. You go back three years, if you give me a third place, I was pissed because I was a racer. That's what I did. That's what I trained. Do I train to win? That's what I did. Whereas now, like, the mentality is sort of like, well, you know what? That could be your last ever third place. <laughs> Even though I'm there to win, I train to win, I'm there to win, but I really want to be present and I want to enjoy the whole thing. I don't want to leave this sport, you know, being like, oh, that was a crappy year because – you know, all these dudes are better than me. I want to be like, man, I'm having a hell time and I'm just not good enough anymore. So it's, um, yeah, it's, man, I'm in a good place. I've got, I got uh, two beautiful girls and my fiance Jill. We, um, like I said, we're, like the kid thing's very difficult with the racing. Like I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, we've got a one-year-old, she's turned one, Nina and Macy's about to turn three. And it's challenging, man. It's, um, it's definitely there's no taking the foot off the gas. Um, but, man, it's like what we've sort of created, the the setup that we've got is, is unbelievable and I'm looking forward to, I guess, mentoring my own children and trying to teach them what I've learned and create them into the best people that I can. So it's um, I feel like the setup we have here on the Gold Coast is definitely where I want it to happen. Yeah, it's really cool, mate. It's a great perspective you obviously have that you sort of learnt over the years and worked on. And I guess with the riding side of it, mate, I guess all that work you do, it just gives you confidence when you're on the gate because, you know, a lot of guys obviously talking to Brian Jorgensen, who you know well, you know, he's a trainer these days and he said he got the confidence from his work and he loved just like suffering and just burning himself into the ground in a lot of ways like you. And, you know, he said, if I got a crap result, I'd still come to the line like as the sort of man because you know you've done the work. That's where you sort of, the no stone unturned in your training. So, and then getting everything dialed like your sleep, it's so important. And obviously you being a fierce competitor, mate, you're still going to be lining up there aiming for the tide aren't you because you wouldn't be doing it otherwise would you yeah 100 that's what you know i've got two young guys that i'm mentoring and i have to try and lead the way so it's um 
it's it's cool. I'm excited. We go on the weekend to Coffs Harbour and and uh, Reese and Jack, like I said, I've stepped them up on the 450 and 250, and I'll be stepping down to 250 as well. So all three of us will be riding every state title on both classes, um, and it's just cool. Like like I said, last year was hands down the coolest year I've ever done, um, purely because motocross. Like I said, it, it, I get bored. Like it just it's what I've done. It's what my body knows. It's not really challenging. So a good example is, you know, we went to to Appen, uh, not Appen, to Albury-Donga. We got second. Um, and then Jason and I hopped in the van that after the race and we drove down, we stayed in a hotel and then we drove all day the next day to the full day and riders were already there walking the track. Um, so I missed the day of track walk, started walking the track and I'd never changed a moose, man. Like, because we're tubes, like, here in Australia. And and I said to Jason, man, you're going to have to run me through this. So literally set up the time machine the night before the race and I start changing mooses. And and Greeny comes over filming it, just going, what are you doing, man? And I was like, hey, I, I got to, like, I got 15 minutes to change two tyres and an air filter and be in the, the area. Like, and I had no idea, man, time cards, I'm over – I'm over at the Yamaha truck, you know, asking the boys, like, oh, man, like, what's the go with this time card? How do I fill this thing out? Like, you know, and it's just hilarious because, um, you know, first day I was getting, like, 12s and stuff in the special tests. And you ride all day. You're on the bike for eight hours. But I've just come from racing motocross where dudes are, you know, fatigued. And then we've jumped in the car. So I'm, I've done a bit of work and then, yeah, by the so I won the last two days um, outright, and it was sick. Like I just, I was like, that's the best thing I've ever done in my life. Like it was, uh, it was just so far out of my comfort zone. Like you would not believe, you know, going from a motocross bike, you know, everything's so aggressive, suspension so stiff, the motors aggressive, like everything's tires are aggressive, like it's just max out, you know. So then jumping on and I've got a headlight and a horn and you're riding on the road and like you go like this is I really had to like as a rider I had to set my off-road bike up really soft like people my suspension guy was like oh I thought you'd want it stiffer could you come with a motocross I was like no I just want the thing to work sick like so I really learned like the thing it almost felt like it was only working on the springs rebound really fast really soft um and they're sort of like, yeah, but what if you hit a G out? And I'm like, yeah, but you don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to turn across tree roots, man. Like, I'll really, I'll wheelie the tri- the creek bed. Like, it's yeah. all good. Um, so that honestly was probably my coolest accomplishment is is actually doing both. Like, and there was another time where we raced and we got on the podium, and then we went and drove down and raced. Um, they had a desert race, which, you know, that's different off-road again like i've got no idea i'm just rolling up they're like yeah you got to do like a like a pre-run sort of thing um like on the sad day to qualify it's like a 15 minute loop and they just built me a 500 with steg pegs and i was like nah steg pegs are too close so i got them to roll them right back and then they're like because i didn't want to run them they're like you won't make the race without steg pegs and i was like oh I'll put them on Anyway, I didn't touch them all race. They were that far back. Like, there wasn't even a mark on my boots. So I did race the whole header with that. Um, but that was my coolest accomplishment, like, you know, finishing behind Chucky there. Um, and just week in, week out. Mackay, we had a mo, So we had the two-day off-road format. So it was a double header weekend. So we actually had track walk on Thursday, which is their 15K loops. So, yeah. You walk 30k a day, um, and it's hot as hell. So we did track walk, and then I podium there both days. Um, so the Saturday, uh, the Friday, Saturday, we raced all day, and then Sunday I lined up on the motocross bike. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was savage, Jay. Eh? Oh, and it was like I just—it was really funny because my brain—I'm determined, dude. In my brain, I was scared of of my brain not making it. Like I was. I was honestly like, you know, we qualified fastest. Um, then we went P3, I think, in the first one. 
And then I, because it was humid as hell, and I just went, man, I just, I don't, my body can't make this. Like, you know, it's just, it's going to shut down. And I was really actually scared. So I put a camel back on. So I raced the last race with a camel back with the, like the mouthpiece and um, literally sat in fifth place behind Gibbsy and Metcalf. And I just sat there um, drinking me drink, just cruising. And then last five minutes to go, I put a charge on and, and passed and got behind Gibbsy and yeah, got on the box. It was, it was sick. Like um, they're probably moments that I was really proud of last year and, in my career and obviously when I was a full-time motocross dude it was uh racing MXGP was of course the highlight and the four MX nations that I've done um there's you know we had a we had a good career but it um it definitely like I always say man one day I'm going to write a book of the dude that never made it like I uh you know I had the makings to do it um like a 16 year old kid I, I did my apprenticeship I, I worked yeah um, and I won my first pro race at 16 and won my first um, 450 race at 18. Um, and, to, like, I had the ability, but just, yeah, the opportunity wasn't really there, like the mentoring, like I'm trying to give the kids. Um, so, yeah, that's, like, to end up, you know, I look back now and I to ride for Auntie and to, to stand on the MXG podium, that's what I talk about. I stood on that podium in third place on my 10th ever GP. And I was pissed, man. I was like, man, you know, I was in line to win. And I was, and Fevra passed me and it put me to third. And I just went, that's, you know, and then we got three fourth places after that. Um, and I just, I was just dirty. Like, I just, I wanted to win. I just wanted it. And then I look back on that and that's a lesson to me is like, you know, I was, yeah, it's just crazy. Like that was so cool. It was such a cool moment in my life and to kind of look past that. And I talked to a lot of riders like Ben Townley. He travelled around Europe um, and he's like, well, I just raced. Like and you just get so in the time, like just in the zone and stuff that you don't actually open your eyes. And mm. actually pretty lucky. I was my, – my personality, I, I did. I, I enjoyed culture. I really enjoyed the culture, like Auntie with his finished coffee and, you know, just all the little things, how they talk, all the little bits and pieces, how German their mentalities are, the Italians, um, the Spanish, like it's so different to us here in Australia. So that was, man, it was a really cool time in my life. Um, but unfortunately that page has turned <laughs> and I'm on to the next thing. So I'm grateful and it, I, I tell people, I'm like, man, I don't even talk that it, like, I feel like I didn't live, it feels like a different life that I lived, you know, on video games and a Red Bull athlete and doing all that stuff that, that kids dream of, including myself. Like, it just doesn't seem real. Um, so I'm very, very lucky. Like, I'm very thankful for where we got with our career. And um, going back to that, I, I try, like, I've worked with Liam Owens now for three odd years and, they come and had a meeting with me about, you know, uh, going with a, another manufacturer and stuff. And I said, well, what for? Like, what do you want to do? And they just looked at me and said, like, what, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, what's the plan here? And that's what I didn't have. Like, I didn't have that. I was just like, well, in five years' time, I'm going to run, I'm going to build my dad's business. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, so that's what was sort of... I learned through Liam, I was like, man, this is like, I didn't have this and look where I got. Like, mm. What if, said, man, don't worry about MX3, like come and race it, but it's just a stepping stone to get to Europe. Like when I was like, and next year you're going to go over and race two, one, two, five cups, like just fly over there and race some. And that's what I didn't. The first time I raced in Europe was um, MXGP, uh, sorry, the MX Nations of Lommel. And, um, you know, that's the first. Imagine if I could have went and done some one two five cups, and even if I could have rode the two fifty class, if I went over and just raced MX two and and learnt some tracks, I just went <laughs> straight in the big boys and stood on the box. So um, that's no why. savage track possible. Yeah. So yeah, it was yeah. It's just bizarre my career, and and it kind of makes me hungry to. Like, we've got Liam over there now. He's over there doing the grind at Gravenbrook and riding in the snow because um, it sounds normal to the crew in Europe. But, 
to me, I'd never seen snow until the first time we went testing on the new Husky bike with Tyler Radaray. We're driving into the track and there's snow on the side of the road. And I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, are we going to build snowmans and stuff and like not ride today? And obviously, Auntie from Finland, he's just like, you know, what are you talking about? We're riding. And I was, I was, I honestly thought it was the day done. We can't ride in snow. <laughs> so it's just different worlds. Hey, like for the listeners out there, like hands is a bit like Thailand, like the Thailand MXGP that we race. That's what Cairns summer's like. So I'm used to, I'm used to riding and riding my bike to the local, to the creek and swimming in my gear. <laughs> it's that hot. <laughs> in, Sweat yeah, that much. Stuff. Yeah. So Gold Coast where I live now is, for the listeners, is halfway on the east coast of Australia. So we are from Cairns. It's a 23-hour drive down. Um, and it's it's the perfect place in the whole entire world, to tell you the truth. If you want to look up Gold Coast or Burley Heads where I am, on Google Maps, you'll probably end up flying here to check it out because um, the beaches are just the most beautiful white sand with the most epic waves, crystal clear water, and then we've got the hills. So you've got your hikes, you've got your beautiful waterfalls. But the cool thing is, is all year round you hop on your cycle bike and you just go for a cycle and you smile because the weather's mm. sick. It's not too hot. It's not like Cairns. And it's not like Melbourne. It's not too cold. It's just epic. So our summers are good. Our winters are good. And like uh, Peter, he was our parts guy from Ice One. Um, Peter's been over here twice now. He come and stayed with me um, when I had an apartment. And just we took the barbecue down on the beach and had a, a barbecue. And he was just like the Weber. And he was just yeah. losing his mind. He just couldn't believe it. And they come back again. Um, I had Nathan Watson, who was my teammate. Yep. And at him here and there, and he's called North Road World. And I was like, yep. dude, you need to come over. Like, just just come over. And we sort of just spoke about it for ages. And then I raced the sixth day, and I was over there talking to him. He's like, oh, I'm going to come over. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And he did. So I took him, like, I took him to the, the creeks and the beach and, like, all the stuff. And he just, he was just gobsmacked. And it, it's, man, it's heaven. Yeah. So it's happy days. Just, yeah, we got driving out and go riding, that's all. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, mate. Yeah, it's worth yeah. it. I live just a few hours south of you, mate, and it's like, yeah, it's pretty much paradise, isn't it, mate? You sort of make the choice. You're not going to regret it, eh? It's just nature all around your beach, ocean. It's just a good environment to be around, you know? So definitely on the same wavelength as you there, mate. And just getting back yeah. to what you're saying, it's just really a testament to how adaptable and that you're willing to put the work in to succeed in no matter what the discipline, because, you know, what the stuff you're doing, mate, it's not easy at all. Like, it's so difficult. You ask any rider, motocrosser, enduro, off-road, whatever. To switch disciplines, it's a crazy thing to do, mate. So to not only switch disciplines, but also make a success out of it. It's really cool. And it was definitely like listening back to that podcast you did with Jace and just the passion you had for the technique side of things and just all about the balance and the geometry of the bike and sort of working in unison. And, you know, it was a pretty cool sort of segment and just the podcast in general, how you wish you had that when you were younger because you're still finding stuff out. And I remember you were talking about Townley who was even giving you some tips. So, you know, imagine mm. that's kind of where you're coming from now to teach those young kids and, yeah, just the way to do it. There's sort of right and wrong ways. And obviously it's pretty cool in motocross. You can still be a success. Like you look at Ricky Carmichael and you look at someone like Jet Lawrence, which is, you know, Jet and Hunter are doing us Aussies proud, but they're sort of yeah elevating the game in terms of technique mate so we'd love yeah. your thoughts on just you know the adaptability what's that down to the success for you and just the technical side of motorcycling as well yeah well from my personal side it's just i'm a bogan farm kid like that's you know if i'm hopping on granddad's old farm bike or the quad or the tractor or i'm just really adaptable with everything in life like i'm one minute i'm welding something and so that that just goes over to my personality to you know i'm not I've got no ego. There's nothing. That's why I'm still racing because, you know, I can accept, get my ass kicked and, and it makes me hungrier. So that's something that I guess I teach my guys is, you know, the ego needs to go straight away. Otherwise, it just holds you back. Um, but, man, like like every rider will say, you know, I, man, I just – I wish – like when I went back, going back to my GP days, like I was just – I just – worked man i just that was me i just wanted to work and work hard and i never stood back and just went oh man you know what like how about we just 
really think about me bike and get it really good. Because, like, whereas my mentality, like, I could hop on Max Nagel's bike. He's way shorter than me, cut out seat, whatever. And I'll just ride it, man. Like, I was, that's me. I could crash in the first turn and jump on someone else's bike and finish the race. I don't care. Um, and I guess Auntie seen that when I raced. Like, there's two occasions where I should have DNF'd. Um, and, you know, like, there's one at um, the Italian Grand Prix and I crashed first turn with Max Nagel coming through the pack and they've got on the pit board, pull in, pull in. And I was like, man, I'm in 15th. I got I got 10th that, G, that GP. So I come back to 10th and my throttle was getting stuck on. And I'm thinking in my head, like, why? Like, I'm going over this quad. It's this massive quad and I'm, like, chopping the throttle in the air and I'm like, what's going on here? Anyway, that model bike, because I don't work on bikes over there, um, I didn't know, but the side case holds the air filter in kind of thing. And so I crashed first turn, side case comes off, air filter comes out. So I rode the whole race with no air filter and there was that much dirt in there that it just was jamming the throttles, um, the slide, uh, the butterfly thing, sorry. And, um, man, like I just remember Auntie just going off like, you destroyed this engine, blah, blah. And I was just like, yeah, but I got tense. <laughs> like, I got tense, man. It's all good. Like, you just can figure that out. <laughs> and then same, I was, there's a mud GP in, um, in Mexico and – I got on to Paul Arn and I were battling for third. And then my bike just bonks out in a rut. And I was just like, what? And I just looked down and I kid you not, my spark plug cap is just sitting on the side of the head. And I just went, oh, that's weird. And I'm trying to push it in. It must have just got that hot that the actual plastic case just broke in half and it was still in there. And I, no word of a lie, I kid you not. I, I just stepped off my bike and I went, let go screwdriver like to this guy just standing there in the infield he just pulls out two screwdrivers like this and i just grabbed it i just dug like i destroyed the side of the head i just dug it all out clipped it on and i rode back it was a mud race and i rode back to like and i just it was just really bizarre actually like it's so funny um and yeah that was just that's just who i am like nothing's a problem so to be really to be honest I am an off-road guy that just races motocross like because I just love off-road. And like I said, I, I was at the sixth day. I got I got 10th in one of the special tests. And I don't even know what's going on, man. I was following Milner because we are on the same second. I'm just like, I've got no idea how all this time card shit works and, like, all the stuff. Like, I'm just, man, I'm just bluffing my way through. And it, it was really cool, actually. So, yeah, I'm... I'm super adaptable with that sort of stuff, and I love that. I try not to get caught up in stupid things like making throttle tubes smaller and all that. Austria, they do such an amazing job of our bikes and all that development that, you know, I, I make some personal changes to, to suit myself, but they do such a good job that I really keep that. Um, but referring back to the Lawrence guys, you know, that's always a big subject, and... and uh, them quite well in the respect that I lived at the track that um, Dazzy used to bring Hunter out to and Jetson wasn't even old enough to ride like playing in the and Hunter would be out there, it'd be almost dark, you know, Paul and I'd be finished our motos and we're in the house watching eating, like having a feed and they're out there doing motos um, pretty pretty cool to see where they've got to and like when I was coming back from Europe he was going over and it's funny, we stopped at a servo and um, I gave him, I think it was like 15 grand um, euro cash and he gave me the the Aussie cash like so we converted it so we didn't get the conversion to this stuff. And I was telling him all the experiences and stories and, um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. But the like I said, man, we have some talented riders in Australia. Like I look at... Like Dean Ferris, he stood. He's my rival, and he stood on the top step in MX2. I raced him over there all that year. Like him and I were battling hard, and um, you know, him and I, he's the same thing as me. Like he's just from a farm. We just sort of just took opportunities as they come, and, and ended up in Europe. And I believe, like, yeah, like the Lawrences, they did the 
you know, the kids 16, we're going. Like, and they went over and, and fully went. And that's what I'm trying to, like, Liam's on that path. You know, he's he's 16, he's over there doing what Ben Townley and Tyler Adderay did, you know, grinding out, learning how to be in a European rider. Because I strongly believe we've got the talent pool here. Uh, but obviously Ferris and I were too late um, with that. Like, if you can get over there, like Ben Townley, uh, came to Tyler Adderay, they were there grinding out trying to qualify, you know, and then qualifying. And they they learnt the back end of how to race and be a world champion. They both become world champions. Um, whereas, yeah, Dean and I didn't have that background. We just sort of established ourselves here. Like, I owned houses and stuff, and I had a life here in Australia. And that's what was hard for me personally is, you know, I had a Harley Davidson in 2013. I had a Harley, and I used to put my OJ gear bag across my lap and ride to the airport. And go race like I was what you dream of being a pro rider, <laughs> and um, and then to go to Europe and and it's a tough tough thing when you don't see the sun because I don't think the sun comes out in Belgium. <laughs> no, it's a massive transition for Aussies, isn't it, mate? And you sort of look yeah. at the format of our series, the amount of racing is just so much less, and then you got to deal with language barriers, lifestyles, weather's cultures, traveling. There's so much to get used to. And when Aussies or Kiwis or South Africans go over, it's kind of no going back mentality. It's sort of all in, you know, the adversity and the sacrifices there. So it's pretty cool yeah. to see that any Aussie or any, you know, doing that thing, mate, massive respect and I guess just one more before we let you go, mate, because yep. you got to get to the photo shoot, the team shoot. So just, I guess, the pathway you're sort of seeing from the juniors these days, it's a lot more they want to go to America and the Supercross dream, isn't it, mate? Obviously, the financial rewards, the exposure, it's kind of where it's at a lot of ways these days. But there's still something to be said for, obviously, not everyone has access to Supercross track. So it's pretty cool, that MXGP. It's a real cool goal for a lot of guys, like you're saying with Liam. And, you know, Supercross isn't for everyone. Not everyone has access to tracks and, you know, just the various things you need for that to fall in place, which is why that Chad Reed Cup's pretty cool at the Aussie Supercross. So are you definitely seeing that, mate? Obviously, the Supercross, a lot of the kids are chasing that these days, aren't they? But I guess, do you think the motocross with the MXGP age rule at 23, that sort of hinders, you know, those guys, you know, from maybe going over there in some ways because it's a short window if something goes wrong, injuries, you know, this kind of thing, like you see in America with Craig and Martin, just you have massive careers in the 250, even RJ, look at him and Jordan Smith. So we'd love your yeah. sort of take on the transition from coming from somewhere like Australia and then just sort of the framework of the kids and the pathway they're following. Well, like I said, a lot of people, I'm like, you know, there's never been a successful Aussie that's gone straight to America. You know, that's they've all gone via Europe. Chad Reed, Chad went over the Lawrences, and they say, oh yeah, but you know, you got to do Supercross, like blah blah. Well, Chad Reed's one of Australia's best Supercross riders, and now you've got the Lawrences. Um, another good example is Ben Townley. He rode over there for many years, like in Europe, racing Grand Prix, and then goes to America and wins his World Supercross Championship. Like, he didn't grow up doing Supercross. So, like, for me, I think exactly what Lawrence has did is going to Europe, the language barriers and everything, it's so gnarly, man. And you're young, you're adaptable, you learn, you get the grassroots of that. And then when you go to America... You, you know how to train hard. You know how to ride in snow. You know how to ride in mud. You know, you know, just trying to buy food's hard. You know, just everything's hard. So when you go to America, it's a piece of cake and you can just focus on your riding. Um, so I don't know. I That's my sort of take on it is, you know, it's been proven that sort of direction. Um, and like if you – like you say – you know, the, the new generation wants to be Supercross. Well, it's actually always been because Chad Reed beat Pastrana, you know, when he come over here, like Supercross was big in Australia, mm. but Chad, like, and I think, I think the success long-term in America is like when you're young and you build the grassroots and the hard sort of yakka in, in uh, Europe, you know, you can then leapfrog over obviously chad had the ability of supercross behind him but because he was performing here in australia in supercross so he had a background of that but now we've seen it with lawrence's and also like i just playing ben townley they did zilch supercross <laughs> they go over and uh be quite dominant in supercross in america so um yeah i don't think that there's i don't 
definitely don't think that it's a disadvantage going to Europe that your Supercross dreams are going to be torched. It almost seems like it's going to be better. From it's a great history. point you make because obviously you look at the French guys, Brandis, Marv, oh. and obviously you look at what Prado's doing. There's obviously that framework of the motocross is holding them in such good stead. There's so many Frenchmen over the years all over the place. So it's a pretty cool point, mate. It's well said and it sort of stands the test of time, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So, yeah, we've had, you know, you see lots of guys, David Billerman, like there's been a, a ton of guys. Yeah. Then you got yeah, Marvin Musquin. Kenny yeah. Rothman. Yeah, that's right. So I don't, if you're a good rider, you're a good rider, I believe. But I definitely do think Australians going to America, like it's it's really hard to not get caught in the, like there's a lot of distractions over there. Um, whereas Europe, there's zero distractions because it's just it's all riding. And that, that's the fun that teaches you discipline and um and structure like that's that's what you need to be a successful athlete at whatever you do not just motocross supercross but whatever you do so it's a man it's you can't get it any better than in europe it's definitely challenging and it's um a good platform for australia australian riders is a good time now because the lawrence has obviously opened up that path and and Europe is looking at Australia. And like I say, man, we've got good riders. We've got really talented riders. Um, and it's a good opportunity for Australian riders to go race for premiership. But like you said, people jump up and down about the age limit in MX2, but I look at it and go, man, could you imagine if they didn't have that? Like the, you know, the EMX class is almost sometimes more competitive because mm-hmm. it's stacked with older dudes, whereas... If you can get in that world championship scene, the oldest person you're racing is 22. Like they don't have the experience. Um, so it's kind of a really good opportunity for young Aussies to go over there at 17, get an MXGP paddock and perform. Like you've got a chance. You're not racing. Here in Australia, we've seen it like Jay Wilson was quite old. Like he was dominating here in Australia. You got guys that are, are quite old. Jesse Dobson's these guys that, um, you know, like I, I was on 450 when I was 18 and, you know, now I get interviewed and they're like, oh, what's it like racing, you know, battling for the championship with Tanty last, like young guy Tanty. And I was like, man, he's 28. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was washed up at 26. Like I was back from world championship racing in Australia. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it definitely changes that. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for newcomers to first get a factory ride and um, make a, I guess, progress and make a, a championship for themselves in the World Championship. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And for anyone that's not fully up to date with the Aussie Moto scene, the MX1 class this year is going to be absolutely stacked, isn't it, mate? So for all the viewers tuning in, there's obviously Crawford and Todd moving up. you got guys like yourself, Gibbsy, you got Beaton, Ferris. It's just absolutely stacked, isn't it, mate? So just give a little sort of preview of the MX1. And obviously the MX2 is full of awesome, really talented riders. So for that MX1 class this year, mate, it's going to be something else, isn't it? It's stacked. And like we always see, like we've got Ferris defending champ, so he's going to be, he's moved to CDR, he's going to be super confident, and that's hard to beat for Dean when he's super confident. You've got Cole Webster, he's, yep. he's really good. Um, so yeah, we've got, man, we've got some wow. guys, but what you might see is a bit more inconsistency from riders because uh, in the past, like when Dean, Ferris and I, uh, sorry, when Dean and Gibbsy and I were battling for races like I could crash in the first turn and get back to third so it was you know where like last year um at Toowoomba you know Webster he was a woman dude and he didn't have a he wasn't feeling it on the day and you know I come through and I got third in the first race they I passed them dudes and um I think Cloudy was went back to like seventh so you got these guys that are winning races and then they're getting sixth and seventh um I think and that's not that. It's just the field stacked. We're going to have, you know, old dudes like me, Metcalf and Gibbsy that are just going to be cruising around that fifth place. And oh, Harwood's yeah. a weapon too, isn't he? Yeah. So, like, there's just us that have been hunting there. So, any of those super fast out dudes like Crawford and, and Webster and those guys that, you know, if they just off that one day, you might find yourself an eighth. Like, you know, because there's that next line is... That's the thing. The young guys are fast, but when you get to that next line, like me, Gibbsy and Metcalf, like 
I'll still be doing the same speed in three days' time. Yeah, <laughs> I proved that at the sixth day, I'll, I'll keep going, man. You'd rather the motos be an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's going to be really cool here in Australia. Our championship's growing. Like, MA's doing a really good job. Um, everything's looking looking great. So, yeah, it's happy days for me, man. Yeah, mate, absolutely. And, yeah, thanks for taking the time to join us on this one. Just before I let you go, any final thoughts, anyone you'd like to thank? Obviously, there's probably too many people, but, yeah, just give quick final words, mate. Yeah, look, pretty much everyone who's backing, you know, who backed Todd Waters like me, they've been my career crew. Um, they're backing our race team. They believe in what we do. So, you know, like, first of all, Husqvarna, I was, I was one of the guys representing them when they brought it to the World Championship. So it's special for me. Um, and then Raceline, we that's our bread and butter and T Dub. Um, that's my own gear brand, so that's that's super cool for me. But we've got guys like Terra Equip that uh, you know they're getting us to the races. They're a massive supporter of what we get up to. Um, then your Maxis MotorX, um, Maxis are the guys. You know I'm developing tires for them. I'm actually personally in with them, which is really really cool. And uh, yeah, it's. Man, the list goes on from there, but I just I can't appreciate everyone. We're growing. Um, you know, we're giving back to our sponsors. We're doing next Wednesday, we've got a team launch, um, which we're going to a venue next door, which all sponsors are invited to. You guys will see some content. We're gonna be talking with the riders about the year, revealing the new bikes, um, a bit like Formula One do. So we're just you know, we're putting it out there that we're we're hungry to progress our program. We're building. Um, we want to be here to stay. And and the people who are backing us now, um, you know, I can't first of all thank them enough. But we're growing and and uh, we're going to make it bigger for everyone. Yeah, massive respect, mate. Look forward to the year. It's going to be an exciting one. And yeah, thanks again for joining us. And thanks to the sponsors for this one. And obviously, Whole Shop Motorhomes, Fox Racing and Scott. So all the best with everything, Todd. Yeah, we definitely look forward to speaking soon, mate. And all the best for the racing and the season ahead. Awesome. Thanks very much. I'll chat soon. No worries, mate. Have a good one.